Yeah, talking about liquidiv.com, promo code Nooners at checkouts. You see us drinking it on the show every single day. Where would we be, Japes, without Liquid IV in our lives? Dehydrated, we'd have headaches, we'd be tired, yeah. exhausted. Yep. Not be able to get through the day, get through work. We'd be sick all the time. I'd be hungover. <laughs> Every single day. Love the liquid IV. Liquid IV hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, essential vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks out there, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. It's just a little tiny stick full of powder. Pop it in 16 ounces of water. You're good to go. What's your reckon, Jabes? Double or triple hydrated? I would say double. I'd say triple. What? Nay. I'll say triple today. Huge fan of Liquid IV. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration. With Liquid IV, get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code Nooners at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Nooners at liquidiv.com. Yeah! Talking about expressvpn.com slash Nooners. Love ExpressVPN. You've got to have a VPN in today's world or you're not living your life right, brother. People are going to start stealing your passwords, all your bank info, everything. And I know most of you are probably thinking, uh, why don't you just use incognito mode? Let me tell you something. Incognito mode doesn't hide your activity. Doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can see every single website you've ever visited. That's why when I'm at home, I never go online without using Express VPN. Huge fan. I've had it for years. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the background uh, of all my computers and my laptops and my phones, and it's super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, like I was saying, phones, computers, uh, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you not to be using it right now. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Mashable. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash nooners, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash nooners. Expressvpn.com slash nooners. Head there to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ross Patterson Revolution! Brought to you by BlackRifleCoffee.com Welcome to Ross Patterson Revolution 200 episodes, Jabes. <laughs> Deuce. 200 episodes. That's over 200 hours worth of content. Oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. It's we, crazy that people are still listening to us. 1.2 million listeners, to, to be exact. That's crazy. We yeah. are unbelievably grateful to you. Um, when we started this a year ago... I, I didn't know. I didn't know how big this would get. Um, I had no idea that people would stick around and the audience continues to grow and grow and grow. I mean, we were number three in the charts a week ago. Um, it, it's, it's insanity, and we sincerely want to thank you. This has been an unbelievable ride. And, uh, and we're, look, we have no plans to stop anytime soon. No. I, like, ever. So... 
this is going to keep going forever and ever and ever. Uh, a lot of you have asked us if you're doing something special for the 200th episode. And we, cause we did for 100. Yeah. We had the, the scissor challenge, <laughs> which was awesome. I don't even know how long that episode went, but it turned uh, into a nineties phrase challenge as it, well. It was really funny. It was a great episode <laughs> and everybody, you guys, everybody's been asking like, what are you guys doing for 200, 200, 200 for 200? There was a guest that for me personally meant a, a lot in my life. Um, I'm a big sports guy. Everybody knows that played sports growing up. My favorite coach um, was a coach named Bobby Knight, arguably one of the most famous college coaches of all time. In my opinion, he's one of the greatest. Some people say John Wooden because he won more championships. It, it was a different era when Bobby Knight coached, but he was the most entertaining, fascinating coach to me, and I enjoyed his whole attitude towards life and press conferences, and I always found him uh, unbelievably hilarious and blunt at all times. Never in a million years did I think that he would come on and do the show. Uh, you were here with me today. I, I wanted to thank you personally for allowing me to go and do this show because <laughs> to give you guys a backstory, uh, um, about, about what you're, you're about to hear about me interviewing Bobby Knights. Uh, this was a guest that I had requested, probably five or six months before I, I hit up his agents and uh, uh, didn't hear anything back. Um, a guy by the name of Ryan Fitterman who runs Fitterman sports. It's a memorabilia marketing company. They've, they've got a shop in Houston, Texas. Um, he does a lot of work in Vegas. He's got a, a ton of big, huge clients. Um, and it was a, a, a massive help to get Pete Rose on the show. And he just so happened to his, one of his first gigs was with Bobby Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw him online and I hit him up and I said, hey man, you have Bobby Knight. I tried to get him on the show. Like this would be amazing. Bobby Knight doesn't do interviews. I, I can't name the last interview he's done on television and or radio in real life. Uh, he just doesn't want to do them. Uh, recently, there was a 30 for 30 that just came out about him. He had nothing to do with it. I, I found that out in the interview. Um, I don't know why, uh, maybe because they were too afraid to approach him or whatever. This was one of the first times that I, I, I had to actually submit questions to the guests. Yeah. I don't do that. Um, I, I don't, I try not to get into the, the habit or policy of doing that simply because it limits you on what you can ask. And I don't want to do that for the audience. Right. However, in this case, I, I said, yes, I would do this because it's Bobby Knight. Right. I submitted questions. Some of the questions were scratched by the agent. Nothing too crazy. Um, but I wanted to dig into his life on who he was as a person growing up, how he got into coaching and all of that stuff. Instead of focus on the negative shit of, uh, you know, throwing the chair across the floor, which is awesome. Yeah, I don't even see that as a negative. I don't now, but everybody ask him about it. So it's one of those right, things where right, it's right, like right, right, right. he's tired of it. Sure, um, sure, sure, And sure. I got him to sign a picture of him throwing the chair for me, myself That's personally, huge, yeah. which is amazing. But I'm sure he's tired of hearing that. Yeah, we already yeah. know the story and, right. and we're kind of over it. Him choking the kid out. Fuck. I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I've heard the story a million times. Um, to me, he's getting older in life. Uh, he was walking a little slower when I saw him, but his, his mind is extremely sharp. Oh yeah. I figured I wanted to get to know the real Bobby Knight, where he came from, what he enjoyed, uh, what his life was like coming up. And I, I just wanted a different spin on it. So that way, anyone who listens to this interview about his life, got a glimpse at the real Bobby Knight and who he was and where he come from, uh, where he came from and, and, and how gracious he was for, uh, his life and his job opportunities and all of that stuff. And uh, I would say this, I, I, I partially got the interview probably because I went to Ohio State. Okay. We were the same uh, alumni. You guys run deep. We run deep and uh, he, he, he was open and willing to talk about Ohio State a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's something that he had asked for. Um, so he had obviously felt a deep affinity towards uh, Columbus and the school and 
uh, was was gracious enough to do that. I would say the other reason he agreed to do it was uh, they asked they had asked me personally, "Hey Ross, like what do you stand for in life, or, or what what are the people you try to help, or who listens to your show and everything else?" And I said, "Look, um, I'm a big fan of of the military, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of our veterans, and I'm a big fan of, of first responders." And they said, "Great, that's that's Bobby's main thing as well." Nice. He was in the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah which yeah. I, I didn't know. I knew he was a coach at West Point, but I didn't know he was actually in the military. And he was like, "Awesome, man. Bobby likes that." Uh, the last thing is, w- what's your feelings on Trump? And I said, mm. I, I, "I'm I'm pro Trump. Right. Um, voted for him and all that other stuff." And he's like, "Great. Bobby did too, and spoke at the." Uh, an event for him in Indiana and all this other stuff. And I was like, oh, awesome. And I think the reason why they asked me this stuff is they were obviously trying to make sure that I wasn't going to throw him under the bus, you know, try to take the interview in a, in a sideways direction. I had no intention of doing that anyways. Right. But, but I'm you ass- never know. You never know. And, and I'm assuming that's what the pre-questions, uh, that's w- where they came from in part. And um, I don't have any problem with that. The interview went exactly as I hoped he was amazing and funny and witty. And, uh, uh, it was, it was a dream come true. The, the reason why I really wanted you to be here to, to discuss this with you was <laughs> it came at a cost and that cost was, uh, the Jables. It came, <laughs> the I got a lot. You gotta, had to sacrifice me. I had to sacrifice to... Jesse. And I want to thank you for allowing me to do this because, uh, it just shows how cool of a wife you are and all that stuff. <laughs> um, obviously, we do most of these shows together. I, I interview people separately as well. But uh, I got this call. I didn't think this interview was going to go down. I get this call uh, 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday. And it said, hey, Bobby's agreed to do the interview. And I was like, holy shit. But right. you got to be here on Saturday morning at like you know 9 a.m. or whatever it was in Houston, Texas. Mm. Problem with that. Saturday was your birthday. (laughs) It fell on your birthday. I was leaving the day before and I was going to be gone on your birthday. Right. We had a dinner plan, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I I said, hey, babe. Cancelero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Gotta go. Super sorry. Call the restaurant. Yeah. I'm getting my wish. I'm my dreams are going to come true for you. No, listen, I'm not five. Okay. Birthdays are not, you know what I mean? It's cool. It's cool, man. But you know, and I said it was cool and it was cool, but I will be honest on the day (laughs) when I was at a Mexican restaurant with like some acquaintances that I had just gone to like, a like really chill pizza party with and they were trying to find the place that we were at didn't have any dessert no so no. they were like they got like this stale fucking chocolate chip cookie they put a cherry on it yep and then put a little candle inside the <laughs> cherry to like hold it up on top of this thing and bring it out on a little paper plate and when that was happening I did like as that little thing was coming out, I thought, no, you fucking asshole. Yeah. But really any other time I was like, you have to do this. Sure. Uh, and, and, so and, no big. And the, re- the, the other reason I want to tell this story to, to the audience is the people that follow us on Instagram. Yours is at Jesse Wiseman. Um, mm-hmm. I'm at. S- I got my. S.T. James. S.T. James. I didn't get my name. Full um, name because. Nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> but here, here's w- w- what was hilarious to me was you posted this picture of this tiny little shitty cupcake with one candle in it yeah, on yeah. thing. And it you said, happy cupcake, birthday. Yeah. I wasn't in the photo. Um, and all, all your comments were, Jesus, man, I thought you guys were doing well. Like, why can't Ross afford this uh-huh. cake? And, mm-hmm. and where is he? And I did we, it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, did you really? I posted that on purpose. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. And like a little sad face and like, no, I'm joking. But uh, what I wanted to tell, we could, well, actually what we couldn't tell the audience was that we were interview. I was interviewing Bobby Knight and this was going to be our 200th episode. Yeah. So that's hence the picture, everything yeah, that went yeah. on. And I did say to you, I said, look, cause we were going to Los Angeles 
I think a week later. And yeah. I said, look, our favorite restaurant in the world, you've listened to the show after 200 episodes at this point, you know, it's Mastro's. I said, no, but tell the real story of where you, I said, I'll, I'll, I'll take you to Mastro's okay, okay. For, for dinner. I the, thought it was going to be the ongoing thing of Scopa where oh, you yeah. keep Still. saying that you're going to take me to Scopa yep. and somehow it never works I, out. Every time it's... And now it's a joke of like... You can't get a reservation seen, there. Yeah, I haven't seen Star Wars either. So I'm going to have to keep <laughs> not seeing Star Wars. I'm going to have to keep not never going Scopa. to Scopa. Yeah. But yes, you did whisk me away to freaking Mastro's in Malibu on, nonetheless on the water in yeah. Malibu it was awesome and again I wasn't wasn't mad it's funny but that's our life like it's like dude you gotta go yeah yeah and, you and, gotta go and uh and it was great and it was a, a dream come true to interview Bobby Knight um I, I don't want to say a bucket list item because I I never even believed that that would ever happen in my life to be honest with you yeah it can't be in the bucket it no, can't be in the I, list on the list if you never even think that it'll happen. That could happen. I it guess, was so right? far removed from my mind that I was like, ah, the, not in a million years. And and we have people like this that we want to interview. That it seems so far fetched. You know, I tried yeah. to hit up Bourdain for you mm. for I think it was episode one hundred. Yeah, and there, you know, no, no, he shot us down. I didn't think Bobby Knight in a million years would do it. But it, it's it's unbelievably I get cool. Steve, my next one's Steve Zahn. Remember Steve Zahn? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag find for episode 300. Find Steve Zahn. Find me Steve Zahn. And get him and on the get show. Him on the show. Get him and on the I'm show. I'm going to be there for that one. All right. All right. Um, so do it. We're down. Uh, anyways, we're uh, unbelievably grateful for all of you guys listening for 200 episodes. Uh, Ryan Fitterman, you were a fucking champion, man. Follow at Fitterman um, on uh, Fitterman Sports on Instagram. Uh, he put this thing together. He went to the ends of the earth to make it happen, and miraculously, it went down. I, I, I truly, truly can't thank him enough for this. And uh, I also want to thank our sponsors because uh, a lot of these guys have been with us for day one. So after the sponsors, we'll get to the interview. But uh, first and foremost is Black Rifle Coffee. Woo! Yeah. I highly recommend their coffee club of the month, their subscription of the month club. Ships to your house, same dates every single month, and you don't have to buy coffee anymore. Um, they got K-cups, they got bags. It is a premium roast-to-order coffee, and it's the, it's the finest in the land. It is a, it's owned by veterans, and uh, these guys are doing it right, doing it tight. We enjoy the caffeinated as fuck. We enjoy the just black blends those are our favorites and their apparel is second to none big fan of black rifle coffee go to blackriflecoffee.com type in the one-time promo code revolution for 20 percent off at blackriflecoffee.com next up we've got strikeforceenergy.com boom 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 bazoinker bazoinkers uh strike force energy has got four amazing flavors original make america grape again orange and lemon they got 40 pack they got a 10 pack it's a tasty tiny little tin pouch full of energy you rip it open and squeeze it into any liquid available they've also got a 750 milliliter bottle that rests on your countertop or bar top where you can just boom boom Pop a couple squirts in and go. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com and kick the can. You don't need the can anymore, kids. Uh, they've also got a subscription to the Month Club, and they, they ship everywhere in the entire world. Their promo code of REVOLUTION is 20% off every time. Ooh, every time you use it, you get 20% off at StrikeForceEnergy.com. Next up, we've got StraightRazors.com. That's a clean cut. Oh, yeah. Smooth. Smooth. Big fan of that, Jabes. Love that. Love that new intro for, for straightrazors.com. Um, straightrazors.com. I want to thank uh, Luke Webster and the boys. I really do. Luke Webster uh, is the owner of that fine establishment. I, that's the only shaving products I use. Um, and I buy them. I, that's, that's no lie. I, uh, I bought them. Uh, two bottles of, of uh, aftershave the other day, uh, Smolder, and he sent me a whole gift box full of goodies. Man, they, they've got it. Dude, they're Elvato pomade, too, for hair. I, I use that, and it's got the Smolder. Elvato? Elvato. That's awesome. It's dope, and uh, it's the same Smolder flavor. Those guys are killing it, man. 
best products in the business. I, I just we need to get their name out there so they're a little more famous. But um, they're incredible. Uh, go and go and go to go get them straightrazors.com. Get yourself a kit for Father's Day. Um, really, or Christmas. Or Christmas. <laughs> um, Listen, if you're a planner, a header. Columbus Day is right around got, the bend. Yeah. <laughs> Go to straightrazors.com. Use the promo code REVOLUTION for 20% off. That's a big savings there. It's a real big savings there. Last but not least, we get the Caillou app. It's K-A-Y-U. Uh, started by two Green Berets out of Fort Bragg with Facebook going down in flames this is your chance to test out some new social media. It combines uh, lo- lodging, travel, um, get-togethers, meetups, hookups, all of it in one. And it's free. It's, uh, you can download it now on your iPhone or uh, Android. And uh, they rate the people like Tinder. So you get to see them, rate them, and decide if you want to hang with them or not. Uh, I like it. A lot of people have been hooking up on that app. Good for you. Proud of you and all you do. And, and please don't forget to go out and get my new book, When Darkness Falls, He Doesn't Catch It. It is available on pre-order now uh, on Amazon.com, Walmart.com, you name it. It is out there and available for pre-order. All of those pre-order sales help for the first week to try to, to, to reach the New York Times bestseller list. So uh, they also determine how many stores and all that stuff we get into. Please pre-order this book now in hardback on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. All the dot-coms have it, but uh, those are the most reliable. Um, Can't thank you enough for that. Thank you for listening for the last 200 episodes. Without further ado, this is Coach Bobby Knight. Coach Knight, I appreciate you being on the show. This is an unbelievable honor for me. Well, you must uh, have not had many honors in the past. No, no. <laughs> real lowbrow show. Real, real lowbrow show. Uh, <laughs> you're, a st- you're a step up for us, so it's great. I'm it's- just happy to be here. <laughs> um, I'd like to, to start from the beginning. Um, you don't do many interviews, and we're, we're grateful to have you, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't hear too many people ask you about your life and where, where you're from originally and, and how you got started in basketball. You know, I might have forgotten. <laughs> it was that long ago? I'm not sure I remember. <laughs> where, where'd you grow up? <clears throat> I grew up in a small town in Ohio. Uh, What's the name of it? I went to Ohio State. Well, I did too, but this was Orville, which is the home of Smucker's Preserves. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's where, uh, that's where I grew up. I went all the way through high school there and then went to Columbus uh, and played basketball at Ohio State. And then uh, from Columbus, I came back to, uh, actually came back to Cuyahoga Falls up in Akron. Sure. Where I taught school the first year I was out of college. And uh, I had a really interesting thing. I think every once in a while in life, something comes up that uh, either was unexpected or that you kind of fell into or whatever. A friend of mine who's still a, a very close friend of mine named Bob Fee, who lives in Uniontown, Pennsylvania, he was teaching at Cuyahoga Falls when I came there. Okay. And so we got into the uh, basketball season, and, and uh, he and I went down to Louisville to see uh, Louisville was playing Loyola of Chicago. And, no, it was Cincinnati. It was Cincinnati playing Loyola of Chicago because when I was at Ohio State, we won the national championship when we were sophomores. Right. And then the next two years – Cincinnati beat us in the national championship game. Oh, boy. So we went down to Louisville to root for Loyola of Chicago. <laughs> it was Cincinnati. And I happened to be ran into uh, Coach Taylor while we were down there. It was uh, our coach at Ohio State, and he was just there to see the games. And we happened to run into each other, and we were standing in the hallway there talking. And uh, he was kind of talking about what I wanted to do and, and did I want to stay at the falls or move or what. And anyhow, this guy walked up. His name was George Hunter. Coach Taylor introduced me to him. And 
this is probably uh, I could never have fallen into anything uh, that that wound up being better than this. Hunter was the head coach at West Point. Sure. And and uh, uh, Coach Taylor introduced me to him, and they were talking back and forth a little bit. And uh, Mr. Hunter said to Coach Taylor, you know, if, if this kid's ever uh, going to be in the military, uh, you let me know and I'll bring him to West Point. Really? And he can help me coach the freshman team there. And I'm just standing. I don't even have a girlfriend. You know, <laughs> and I'm just standing there, not thinking what my next step is going to be or anything. But... Uh, probably was the most important thing that I ever said about going somewhere or doing something because I said, well, Coach Hunter, uh, what, if, what if I would uh, what if I would just come to uh, I'd volunteer for the draft and come to West Point? And he was, you know, kind of thought what's wrong with this kid you sure know, was he yeah, yeah. At me? and he said well he said now you'll have to go through basic training but if you want to do that then uh i will bring you to west point and you can help coach our freshman team that's great so that's what you did you went through basic training and and i think that uh you know, this was at a time when, when everything was quiet and we weren't involved with a lot of things and so forth. And, and uh, going, to, uh, uh, going to West Point was, you know, not a... Uh, but it, we, we talked and, and I said, as we were talking, I said, well, what if I would... Uh, what if I'd go into the draft? And I wasn't married, didn't even have a girlfriend. Right. And so I was looking for something to do, really. And, and instead of. And how old were you at this point? Well, I'd have been, I think, 22, 22 maybe. Yeah. 20, yeah, 22, I think. And it was my first year teaching at Cuyahoga Falls. And so I brought that up. And, and uh, he looked at me, I think, like I was a little bit crazy. And he said, Well, now, if you want to do that, I'll bring you to West Point, and you can help coach our freshman team. But now you'll have to go through basic training. So I went to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and uh, I went through the protocol and everything. And the third day that I was there in the Army, I was officially in the Army, uh, I get called out of formation to come see the sergeant, his name, and... and uh, you know, I had no idea what it was, and so I get in line. There were two guys in front of me, and he chewed each of them out for one thing or another, and I'm trying to think, well, what did I do? <laughs> right. What am I here and what? So he starts in, and, and he has a little card with names on it, and I'd never forget. He said, night, night, night. I've been in this man's army for 34 years now, and I got to pick up. I got to get busy with a damn baseball player. <laughs> well, I had played freshman baseball at Ohio State, and, and when you went in the Army, you had to put down all your athletic background and everything. Sure. And I had happened to write that in, that I'd played freshman baseball. Havlicek and I played freshman baseball at Ohio State along with basketball. And so as it as it went, the uh, regimental commander uh, of the regiment that I was in was a sports fanatic. And, and everybody that came along that could be on one of his teams was something important to him. So this sergeant sent me to, uh, to uh, Building 904 to meet with Sergeant Yanchek. I had no idea. I didn't know where Building 904 was. Right. And so anyhow, I get there, and uh, this sergeant explains to me uh, what I'm going to be. And I'm going to now uh, be in the, uh, in the process of, of playing on the basketball team and the baseball team in this, in this colonel's regiment. And so that's that's where I wound up. I'm I'm playing uh, basketball and baseball uh, 
you had to have been the best there, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. I'm in the Army, but all I'm doing is playing ball. <laughs> and, and, you know, I eventually told people I was the less trained soldier in the history of the United States Army. <laughs> because I just, first of all, I played, I played baseball. I had to try out for it uh, in the regiment. And uh, I'd asked them what they needed. And, and uh, they said, well, uh, we need a shortstop or a third baseman. And I thought, well, I might as well go full tilt. I said, well, I can play either one of them better than any one you've got. <laughs> because as I went through college in all those years, I played fast pitch softball every summer. Okay. And that is a very, very uh, uh, tough, you know, Short bases, you yeah, know, and the ball's like, coming in about ninety uh, yeah, miles an hour. Yeah, the ball is coming in hard, and so anyhow, I had uh, a good feel for it, and then I got a tryout, and from the tryout, I became the first baseman on the regimental baseball team, and so that's what I started to do going into the army as the first baseman on this particular guy's baseball team. And I bet you were lighting it up. Well, yeah, I mean, I I had played really well right up until I went in the army you know, in a really upper echelon fastball softball league. Sure. And uh, so it wasn't, uh, you know, I went in and, and I could play and all of a sudden I became the first baseman. And then uh, it just uh, moved on a little bit <coughs> from there. And when I was there at uh, Louisville to uh, hope that Loyola of Chicago won, this fellow, George Hunter, came up and he and Coach Taylor were talking. And Mr. Hunter said, well, now, if this kid's ever going to be in the uh, military, you call me and I'll bring him to West Point and he can help coach our freshman team. So that's why I went into the Army yeah. to get called to West Point. And he thought, uh, it's almost like, well, if he's dumb enough to do this, we'll be, you know, that yeah. kind of a deal. So anyhow, I wind up and he was, uh, uh, when I got out of basic training, I think I had a two months off or something like that before I had to report to Fort, Le uh, that I had to report to uh, West Point. Well, in the meantime, the guy that was the uh, uh, guy that, that I was going to get there because of, who was the head coach, uh, Mr. Hunter, uh, he left the job. So now I, get, I was, again, kind of out in the open, right. not knowing... You know, I'm in the army, but what am I going to do? That's almost fate. I mean, it well, it when, uh, but I had to report to West Point, and uh, it had been all set up. Hunter had taken care of it uh, as he said he would, and I came in and, and uh, wound up being the assistant coach on the basketball team and coaching the freshman team. That was really the first coaching I did. And how long were you the assistant before you became the head coach? Well, just two years because our head coach uh, uh, got an offer to go to Miami of Ohio uh, as an assistant coach for, I think it was two years, and then become the head coach. And uh, that was not easy because we had a really good team. And we had a kid named Mike Silliman and unfortunately got hurt. But he was as good as anybody there was in that era playing college basketball. Right. And so we've had these two good years, and, uh, you know, we're going to have another one. Uh, we'd beat Navy easily. Of course, that's the biggest thing in the world when you're talking about of course. Army, Navy. Oh, yeah, America. yeah, yeah. And so we were coming back, and we had gotten some kids, had recruited well, and gotten some kids recruiting to West Point was not easy. You know, you'd walk in, and uh, you're, you're going to talk to mom about Junior coming to the Army. <laughs> that wasn't easy. No. Mom wasn't really shot in the ass on that one. No, it's, the, uh, it's still not no, easy today. <laughs> no, uh, no it, it was not easy. It was a tough... It was a tough thing uh, to, to recruit, you know, and, and uh, all I could do was, was talk about the background and, and what you would have. I think the commitment was two years, and I said you would have a great military commitment and be able to go on to college, and it would be a, so that's basically 
how we recruited, and that's how I got there. And and uh, George Hunter had been the head coach, and I, and he had left. And Taylor Locke was the name of the guy who took his place. Okay. And I was his assistant as we went along. And here we're going to have this really good team. And uh, he got this offer from Miami of Ohio to come as an assistant coach. I think it was for two years and then take over the head coach. And uh, one afternoon I said, that's ridiculous. I said, you've already had two good years and we're going to have a third good year. And at the end of that third year, you can get any job in the country that you want that's open. But he and I kind of disagreed on that. We almost got in. Yeah, I don't know why you would go to Miami of Ohio. <clears throat> well, I, I don't know either. I think that he had, uh, I think he had gone there as uh, a student and, I think tried out for the basketball team, but didn't make it. Mm. Something like that. That you know, felt I guess that he had something to prove or whatever. But he didn't. We we had a uh, uh, a situation where you know we're going to be good, right? And it's going to be the third straight year we've been good. So now, when jobs start opening up here, there, and everywhere, this is when. Uh, he could have gone anywhere he wanted to. Well, <clears throat> he left to go to go to uh, uh, Miami of Ohio, and and uh, that left me there. And the uh, the colonel that was there, uh, who became who I became very close to, uh, gave me the head coaching job. And I was really kind of surprised. And how old are you at this point, 24? <clears throat> I'd have been uh, maybe 23, 24 at the most. Was there a head coach in, in NCAA basketball that was that young? Oh, no, when, I, when I became the head coach, I was the youngest coach in college basketball. Man. Because uh, that would not happen today at all. Uh, you would never let a 23-year-old, 24-year-old coach today. No, well, <clears throat> Ray Murphy, uh, apparently he had paid attention to what I did with recruiting and coaching the freshman team and whatnot because uh, when Tate's left, uh, there just there were two other guys there along with Ray Murphy that were all uh, uh, longtime colonels in the Army. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that wanted to know why I was going to become the head coach, you know, can't we go out and get whatever? Murphy wouldn't have anything to do with it. He just simply said, that's our coach, period. I don't want to hear anymore. Right. And so that was great for me. Yeah, that's amazing. That's how I got started. And you were walking into a stacked team at this point. That's a, that's a pretty decent team. Well, yeah. I mean, it was it was a team that was going to win games. Yeah. And, and we had good things going, and, and uh, it worked well for us. And, and uh, we went along in the, <coughs> the season, and then I, a, a difficulty arose. Uh, I, had a, I had an opportunity uh, to go to a major college then, uh, and I've forgotten now. It was in, uh, oh, I'd have to think which one it was now, but it was a major college that, that had, had offered me the job. And so I'm thinking this as opposed to West Point. Sure, it was idiotic not to take not to take the not to take the job because here you've got a chance in recruiting, right? And a good background and and a, and a place. It was I think it was the University of Florida that, okay. that had offered me that job. It's either Florida or Florida State, but I think it was Florida. And and somehow during that first year. Uh, this particular uh, fellow had apparently paid attention to what all was going on. And, and I, I guess I had gotten some recommendations uh, uh, from these guys as far as this fellow from Florida was concerned. And so it was probably uh, one of the best things that, uh, that ever happened to me and something that I was really pleased with because... Uh, I came back and I told Colonel Murphy, I said, uh, you know, I, Colonel, I really, 
appreciate you for having me been the head coach this past year and uh you know kind of I was a little bit uh you know is this the right thing to do or what I'm, I'm thinking you know and but this this job at Florida is going to put you in a position uh much further uh in basketball than from the service academy. Right. You just go have better players. Yeah. Period. Although <laughs> I had some, I had some damn good players. Or, and, but anyhow, the recruiting was going to be much easier. And and so I told him that um, I really appreciate everything that you've done for me. And and just wanted to tell you though that uh, I've got a chance to go to Florida, and I'm I'm going to do that. And he really didn't say anything, you know. He didn't. He didn't try to give you the big pitch or the big no, sell to, to keep you. Anything, and so, and I'm I'm really, uh, you know, every once in a while you get proud of something that you've done here or there or whatever, and so I went back and uh, and I got to thinking, and and uh, where I was staying and you know what's right and what's wrong and you know I'd call people that I really trusted and wanted their opinion and as most people are it was like well you got to figure that out yourself you know and I would say well that's why the hell I called you (laughs) you're smarter than I am (laughs) I want to know what you think so I went through that for two days Saturday and Sunday and I got one of life's greatest lessons greatest lessons I went to see Colonel Murphy early in the morning he was sitting just like you are at his desk. And I stood in front of him, and I'd given all this thought, you know, and, and uh, you know, what I'd hear would be, uh, well, you have to do what you think is right. I'd say, well, God damn it, what do you think is right? <laughs> what do you think about this situation? You know, I wanted to know how other people felt. You wanted some guidance, yeah. And, and uh and, you know, a lot of it was, uh, well, you've got a great situation now. You know, you're started. Uh, you're, you're coaching at West Point. You, and so anyhow, I stood in front of him. And hey, I'll never forget. This is one of, one of the greatest lessons I ever got, lesson on humility. He was sitting at his desk and, and didn't raise his head. And then when, when I said... Uh, well, Colonel Murphy, I, I, I want you to know that I, and he's talking like this. I said, I want you to know that I've decided to stay with you. And I've waited. Uh, I, I just kind of got out of the way because he was going to jump over the table and grab me and hug me and pat me on the back and everything. And yeah. I'm waiting for that. But, but all that happened was he looked up at me and said, I knew you'd stay. <laughs> and I was just dumbfounded, you know. Yeah. And but it was great because I stayed when I became the head coach, I was the youngest head coach in the country at that time and then then uh I had a great opportunity uh in so far as is working at recruiting that was difficult. You know, you're not coming to Ohio State. Sure. Or Indiana or someplace, you're coming to West Point. And so you're going to have a military obligation. And so all of those kids that I recruited, and and they were, uh, Joe Lapchick was one of the great people in college basketball at that time. He had been the coach at St. John's. And Claire B. was another one who had been the coach at, at LIU, Long Island University. And they were probably in that era and maybe of all time the two best coaches in basketball history were these two guys. And they did more to develop the game in terms of how you play and how you play defense and what you do on offense. And I became very close to both of them. And, and uh, they, uh, they weren't very helpful. They said, well, you got to do what you think. I said, no, I want to know what the hell you think. Right, right, right. <laughs> so we went back and forth with that a little bit. And then uh, all of a sudden, I was the head coach. And uh, I think that uh, I retained that position for, it was either six or seven years. 
Right. And, and did you have a lot of success? Yeah, we won a lot of games. We were, uh, we never, we always uh, talk about when I, I talk to the military, uh, as I like to, you know, anytime I'm speaking to the military and, and uh, we talk a little bit about my coaching history at West Point, and I always wind it up by saying, as far as you Naval Academy people are concerned, we beat your ass every time we played you. <laughs> so the Army-Navy game was big. Yeah, I'm sure. And so I, we, we worked hard at recruiting. I, I had uh, some great players. I mean, just really, really good. And, and they were, you know, it wasn't like... We had had to find. We had some great players, and and these kids were really, really good. And and we went a long way with those kids. We won. I think we won more than twenty games every year. And when when, when Indiana called, um, was there any other schools like did, did Ohio State ever call you to say, hey, will you come back and coach your alma mater? Yeah, but but uh, I really wasn't interested in it. Uh, really? No. Uh, did, did you have a, a good time in Columbus? Oh, or? yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Columbus, and, and I didn't think much much about it. And, and this situation for me at West Point at my age was incredibly good. Sure. You know, I'm 22 years old, and I'm a head coach at a major institution. And so now when that left and, and what came up was – uh, at that point, uh, I got a call uh, from a guy named Bill Orwig, who was the athletic director at Indiana. He himself had been an excellent player at Michigan and had been a Big Ten guy right. for many, many years. And uh, uh, he asked me if I would be interested in talking to him about the job at Indiana. And I told him that I said yes, I would be. And he asked me to come uh, to uh, to Indianapolis, which I did. And and uh, we talked it over. And I really liked what he had to say. And I really liked the way he wanted things done. And and what what all was available to me in doing so. And so for those years that I was with him, I really really enjoyed it and I learned an awful lot just being with him and then I would still at that point uh, I would spend time talking to uh, my coach when I had a chance but see it was a tough thing for me because he was still in the Big Ten when I came to Indiana so now we had to play Indiana against my former coach and that was not a that was not an easy thing. Was it friendly at all? No, yeah. We, I mean, he was always he was very good to me, and I tried to help him. But you, you know, you've got somebody like that. You're not happy that you beat him, right? But you want to beat him, but you're not happy that you did. And so that that went on uh, for those I don't know six or seven years uh, that. Uh, that I was coaching there. And was there other offers on the table at the time the oh, Indiana yeah, job came around? Oh, yeah, there were all kinds of places to go to and people calling. And I wasn't interested in in going here and going there and going someplace else. I really appreciated the opportunity. The one, the one mistake that I made was, well, you asked me about this, but the one mistake I made was Havlicek, John called me, uh, that the people in in Blooming or in in uh, Columbus had asked him to ask me uh, who I thought would be a good person for them to hire at Ohio State, and and John said uh, he said I think what they want to know is if you would come back to Ohio State. Right. And things were uh, things were made a little bit of a change with a couple people that had retired and a couple people came in that I didn't particularly care for or whatever and I came very much on the on on, on almost uh, well I told John I said maybe it's time I come to Columbus 
and he immediately said, <clears throat> if, you'll come, if you'll come to Columbus, I'll pick you up in the morning and we'll go see the president. And I think it was Novice Fawcett was still the president then. Okay. And he was a guy that I knew anyhow and had gotten along with him well for a young guy and this, as the presidency. And, and so I told John that. I said, and then, you know, I got a little bit, it was a mistake, I got a little bit uh, thinking, boy, I've really enjoyed it here and I've really enjoyed the people and one thing and another. And, and uh, I told John, I said, you know, I'd love to go to Ohio State, but I've got such good players here and such. And so I ended up, uh, I ended up not going. That was the closest. I didn't, I had all kinds of offers to go where the pros, wherever. Uh, uh, Red Auerbach, uh, I became very, very close to Red Auerbach. But I just told him, I said, Coach, I don't have any interest. In, in coaching in the NBA, which I didn't. I didn't have any interest in it. But Did he want you to be one of his assistants? I think that uh, I think he had it set up that I would be the head coach. Really? At uh, whatever year this was or whenever. And uh, but just getting to know him uh, and and have him as a friend. We, uh, we were in Madison Square Garden, and uh, uh, I. I, I happened to walk in. You get lost in a garden. Sure. And all kinds of tunnels and one thing and another that the, come out of the locker rooms and whatever. And so I'd opened the door. There's this big room, almost like this, nobody in it. And so I started to shut the door, and the door at the other end opened, and a guy walked in. And I was petrified when I saw who it was. I mean, I wanted to get out of there, but I said, no, and I was really, so anyhow, the guy came right up to me, stood in front of me, and he said, son, my name's Red Auerbach. And I looked at him, I said, damn, coach, I'm not that dumb, I know who you are. (laughs) And so... That became the, the that was the beginning of a great friendship that I had with Red. Was he smoking a cigar? Not at that point, I don't think. I have been with him when he was, but not not at that point. I didn't but, know if he was walking around the garden just smoking cigars like he. But he, uh, I became. Uh, uh, Havlicek once told me he said, "I don't know how you did it." But I don't think there's anybody Red likes better than you. He said, I don't know what you did to deserve it. <laughs> so, but that was one of those great things. I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, a relationship with different people, and Red was certainly one of them. Was it important for you to stay uh, at one place for a long period of time? Is that why you stayed at it? Well, I think so. I, I think that why, why do I want to leave? And, and there were people there that I really liked. You know, and and Bloomington was a great college town. My wife and I really liked it. Karen liked it, and she had a lot of friends there. And 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 uh, and we were getting players. I mean, I only had to go to Indianapolis to get players that could play. Yeah, you were killing us every year, every year at Ohio State. Um, Yeah, I don't think we ever lost. No. I, I, I can't remember it. Um, and uh, oh, I'm sure they must have won somewhere along the way because yeah, you're, you're very rarely. To, yeah, you're bound to lose here and there, but we didn't lose many. No. And so I'm there. I'm there thinking at that time that this is going to, you know, this is a great situation. We've got a great team set and we've got probably four kids here, there and wherever that are going to come next year. And that's how we recruited. And it was a sorry state of affairs because I just think there were some very selfish people at Indiana that just couldn't grasp the fact that the basketball team was the most popular thing in the state. And and that the, the, the guiding light for Indiana University at that time was the basketball program. And so they got up uh, involved with a lot of ridiculous crap and, and uh, decided that they didn't want me to coach anymore. Yeah. So I've... Because I, I, I look back on that, and there's obviously that 30 for 30 that's coming out. I don't know if you were involved in it for ESPN. Um, but, you know, the the way that you were ousted out of there was, uh, 
at least as a fan, we, we all we all looked at it because uh, even though I went to the a Big Ten school, well, it everybody was a, we were always rooting for I, Bobby Knight. You, know, you were our if, favorite coach. If it would have been something that I understood, it would be different. But that's all it was. They brought in some asshole that that uh, yeah. Do I need to explain that to anybody? <laughs> just go ahead. We can go ahead with that. And and uh, it was it was just a, a situation where there were people that when Indiana University came up, the first thing anybody talked about was basketball. But well, we never lost, and and every kid graduated. And, and uh, there wasn't anything wrong with that, except there were three or four people that couldn't deal with that. Right. And my, uh, my fault was, and I could sense that, but my, it was my fault uh, not just calling John back and saying, hey, I'll meet you in Columbus tomorrow. Uh, that, by the way, when that all went down, that was the rumor around Ohio State, because I was, I was at school then, that you were... You were potentially going to come back and coach well they, they had asked me a couple of times but this one time with john when they you know he and i were very close and when when he called me it was that they had asked him to see if i would be willing to come and and i almost did i you know i like the people there right and and i uh uh i just spoke at uh, a couple of things in indiana in the last week and, and, and I always handle it this way. I said, I want you to know something, that I have never enjoyed people more than when I was coaching at Indiana and the people in the state of Indiana. And I said, now, quite frankly, my dear, I just don't give a shit about Indiana University. <laughs> but as far as the population of the state is concerned, you have a great fan in me. And I, I feel badly that it went that way. Yeah. And it shouldn't have gone that way. But people obviously just couldn't deal with the fact that when people talked about the university, what they wanted to know about was basketball. Yeah. Um, do you do you ever see a, a scenario in which you'll go back for for a game? No. Uh, never. Completely done with that. Uh, this is a stone cold look I'm getting for an audio show that the, the folks you can't see this it, at home. But I yeah, think yeah. It was a, I think it was a stone cold dumb question. That yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how else I could respond. Like I say, it's not I'm a highbrow show. This it's not a high brow as smart show. as I think he is. <laughs> I put on a good front. Um, last question. Uh, did you hear about the allegations with uh, Sean Miller last night in, in Arizona? With that the, was just, uh, yeah, what was that? Uh, the FBI caught him on a wiretap of, of paying a, a player $100,000. You know. That never would have happened in your day or Well, era. it would have never happened with me, but I'm sure it happened with other coaches. A lot. I, I think that as I went through coaching uh, there, when, when I would come in, you're, you're a kid that I want to recruit. You know, I've seen you play. I think you can play for us. But the first thing I would do when I came into your home uh, was talk to your mother and father. And I would say, now, the first thing you have to understand about my situation at Indiana is this. Uh, we will be responsible for your son's room, board, book, tuition, and funds, period. Now, apparently, that's not what's happened in the last few years. They got these assistant coaches or whatever coaches uh, basically trying to buy kids. Yes. You know, we'll offer you, the, and that's what's happened in this circumstance you just brought up. I, I think that it got leaked out. What happened? And they'll be in in, uh, in in deep water over this one. Yeah, and it was odd timing. It was around midnight last night when the story broke. And, uh, you know, Ohio State had just beaten Indiana in double overtime. Um, <laughs> just thought I'd get that one jab in there. But when it, when it broke, I was like, oh, I, I can't believe this. Because we beat your ass every time we played. <laughs> you did. You, you did. Want, you want to take a you want to take a list of all the times we beat Indiana? I'd be glad to show it. To you. <laughs> 
Well, look, you're one of my favorite people on the planet. And uh, I, I, in my opinion, you're the greatest college coach uh, that's ever done it. Um, and, and I can't thank you enough for, for being Well, on the I show. appreciate that. But the thing that I appreciated the most was I think we did it the right way. The players graduated. And, and and they had something out of it other than having played basketball, and uh, we did it without any rules violations. And 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 uh, in fact, uh, I'm pretty much responsible for the library at Indiana, and 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 it's and it being built. So you know, I've just had always been. Uh, you know, felt badly about the circumstances there, but you know, life goes on. Sure. And and, and uh, so I, my wife is uh, the best person I've ever known, and and I have just been very very grateful uh, to have this lady as a uh, as a wife. I've had about a dozen different offers to give her to somebody, <laughs> but but I've hung on to it. You know, it's just no no chance. But anyhow, you know, we, we all go through different things. I mean, you, know, you think about uh, somebody that lost a son in Vietnam or, or whatever. You know, everybody has to go through uh, some hardships. And, and uh, I will just always appreciate the, uh, the opportunities that I've had and uh, kind of enjoying life now, watching things going around the clock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I, I sincerely can't thank you enough for being on. And uh, you're, you're a hell of a coach and a great man. Thank you very much. How amazing is that? I loved it. He's a pro. Pro, great guy, really funny, self-depreciating. And um, dang, yeah, I, I think that he wanted me to talk about Ohio State for the fact that he could get that last burn in. Um, <laughs> It really was. We so Ohio State did play Indiana the night before the interview, which okay. was crazy. And the game went into double overtime, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Uh, for sure, I thought he was probably watching the game in the hotel, and we, you know, wanted to talk about it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of nudged me and was like, yeah, let's, talk, "Let's talk about Ohio State." And I was like, "All right, great." So we did, and then uh, just so he could give that one final jab to me, sure, sure, one sure. final burn. Oh, and I love it. I did too. You know what I mean? That's a true. Through and through. The, the dude is just, he's great. He's exactly what you hope for. And uh, that's an old still school that, coach, yes, too. Yes. Like, there's still that spark and that energy. And it's like he's one of those guys where, you know, I saw the video of him choking the kid, which ultimately <laughs> got him fired. It wasn't that bad. Like, all of his shit wasn't really that bad. I think that was the beginning of the end to me of you know, pussiness and sports and all of that other shit where, you know, everybody's afraid and, Oh, you did something to me or I've got video of the, whatever it was like, yeah, to me, that was just a great coach trying to get the best out of his players. And yeah, if you got a little rap on the beak, you got a little rap on the beak. Like (laughs) sure. Don't choke people out. (laughs) Grow up, grow up. He didn't really choke that kid. He, gra- no. he grabbed him. He grabbed he him. He could but like, breathe still. Eh, God. Grow up. If you can breathe still, yep. grow up. Yeah. Grow up. <laughs> so to me, it's like, you know, to, to, to fire a guy like that or whatever, it happened to, to our coach as well. Um, he clotheslined somebody on the sidelines. Did he deserve it? Probably. I don't. Who am I to judge? Um, sure. So I, 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 I don't know. He was he was everything that I hoped for and more. He was a great guy. I, I'm surprised that he signed the throwing in the chair thing. Um, we're gonna have to put it on the new set. But have uh, to. Um, I was I was surprised by that. But uh, um, fantastic interview. Thank you for letting me go on your birthday. And um, hey, yeah, listen. Uh, we appreciate all you guys out there for listening for the last 200 episodes. Yeah, thank you, you guys, for putting up with me essentially. With my Google skills, <laughs> with my misremembering. I like to call it misremembering, okay? It's not wrong information, no, no. right? It's just I misremembered. Yeah, that's okay? it. That's all it is. <laughs> and, I ta- and I say it like it's absolutely true. And there's, You know, and that's for you guys. That is for us. And that's there's, there's, for a, there's a lot more crime corners to come to come guys so oh, boy don't worry so that crowd is growing like from it, a, uh, it's, um, it was it, it wasn't like 10 so um 
<laughs> it's a steady build. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're in it for the long haul. Long game as far as uh, growing our fan base. For Crime Corner. Crime Corner. Like, let's say if I had like an Instagram page, you know, my followers would be, yeah, oh, under 20 and, and, and growing from there, you know, and we do a really slow... Maybe should I have a crime? Anyway, so many things, you guys, in the future. We're not going anywhere. We're here for you. We love all of the stuff that you send. I literally still cannot believe that people are like tuning in to the sound of our voice. It's a really weird thing, but we love we love it. We love you guys. Yes, and thank Keep you. It coming. Thank you for watching the video on iTunes and YouTube. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. We're going to do more video shows. Um, uh, not, look, none of this will end. I, I don't know how many. At, we'll, we'll do this until. Unless you guys leave, man. Yeah. Unless we'll, you guys we'll, we'll do tell it until us you're to, sick of it. Yeah. Unless you guys tell us to, we're here for you. All right. Um, and, and give us uh, some good ratings on iTunes and all that stuff. That helps for, for the guests and, and everything else. And. Uh, Again, special thanks to Bobby Knight for doing the episode and Ryan Fitterman for putting this all together. Uh, happy 200, Jabes. Happy 200. It's been a blast. Uh, <laughs> for Jesse Wiseman, I am Ross Patterson. This is The Revolution. Good night, everyone. Good night.